And I think it's very natural, right? So we as human beings are pretty creative, try to explore things, and there's this new thing that is happening. It works like a magnet. We all go in, try it out, see how things actually could really help us to do things differently, faster, more efficient. But then there's always this kind of step a little bit back where you kind of start to reassess that like, hey, this is all really cool, but what can we do with it? And I think to get that point right, to really get into a use case, like an ROI around the specifics of AI, how it really can help you be faster, more efficient, that is actually where like, uh, we are at, at the moment. Welcome to the Digital Advantage by Binder, a show by marketers for marketers who want to create engaging content experiences to differentiate their brand from the competition. Let's jump right in. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Advantage. This is our first episode of season two and we've got a really exciting topic for you today. Today we're going to talk about AI um, as in particular how to assess it sort of a year on from the uh, explosion with ChatGPT and how to think about it for your businesses today as well. And to do that, um, we're really excited to have a very special guest with us today, somebody who has really true expertise in the matter. And so without further ado, let me to introduce Mikhail Mandath, Senior Director of AI Consultancy at Binder. Mikhail, welcome. Thank you. Tell us, you were in person here today, it was the first time, very exciting to do that with you here. Tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, your role at Binary, your role and experience within AI as well. Yeah, so indeed my role here at Binary as Senior Director of AI Consultancy is really to help customers to make the transformation into AI. A um, bit about my background. Funny enough, actually, I started my career in digital asset management back in the days, workflow, content management. But then I went on a holiday. I met my girlfriend, now wife, who turned out to be Finnish, moved to Finland, started working with Nokia and changed my career into branding and product marketing. So I was responsible for some of the uh, range brands, launched the brand, and we all know what happened to the company. So after Nokia, I advised many B2B businesses, again, on branding and brand positioning. In all this way, like I actually came across uh, a startup, I helped in the beginning and then really co-founded that. That startup was Emirates. And we really focused after a lot of detours on digital asset management and are now happily part of Binder. So that is a bit of my full circle. Story. Yes. The circle of life. Fantastic. And that's great. So again, with that, let's just dive right in, right? I was looking up there as a brand this time last year. We were, when we saw ChatGPT sort of explode in five days, got its first million users. We're sitting here 12 months later, a huge amount has happened in, in marketing, digital marketing across all industry sectors and verticals. And it's really shook, I think, society for a little bit to see this happening. With a little bit of distance, what's happened in that time? And, and yeah, what, what sort of phases did we go through? Yeah, I think it's so funny, like indeed that year ago, like you were saying and in this way, I remember still very vividly when this all happened, my LinkedIn just exploded of all people creating posts that they had not been creating themselves. And now actually you sort of see that again around this time of period when people of course post all kinds of images that have been generated by AI. So we see again, this kind of like similar pattern occurring. And I think it's very natural, right? So we as human beings are pretty creative, try to explore things. And there's this new thing that is happening. It works like a magnet. We all go in, try it out, see how things actually could really help us to 
do things differently, faster, more efficient. But then there's always this kind of step a little bit back where they kind of start to reassess that like, hey, this is all really cool, but what can we do with it? And I think to get that point right, to really get into a use case, like an ROI around the specifics of AI, how it really can help you to be faster, more efficient, that is actually where like, uh, we are at, at the moment. Okay, so we've we've gone through the crazy sort of what's what this all about sort of thing. We said there has there are applications clearly. clearly. Let's try and find them and let's try use them for efficiency and, and executing a little bit faster as opposed to it's gonna change absolutely everything fundamentally and foundationally within the space of a year or two. Yeah, I think like in in many ways, like it's actually maybe more so than before, right? Like people really really went in and really tried out more so than we saw when Google started with search, right? There were multiple search engines and there was Google. People now really try go, go in, but it does transform, I would think, pretty much any industry it touches as being advancing the industry. If you think about marketing, we will do things in different ways. Like there will be more time maybe to think because some of these other tasks are being augmented in a way by AI. So there will be more time maybe to do real creative work. Who knows? So that's the, was the real concern really, wasn't it? Right? Like initially what's going to happen to the labor market, et cetera. So what is that? How should individuals be thinking about it? Then we think about it on a company level. What's this, that push pull that you're describing there between sort of creativity and execution is that, how's that manifesting itself? Yeah. Maybe if I take it a little bit backwards, like then we were Starting with MRAs, this is around like 2017. We of course were doing AI then. I mean, the whole thing was around AI. The whole company was around AI. But funny enough, when we were talking to agencies back then in sort of predicting outputs and predicting reactions and these type of things, they were kind of a little bit holding back that like, I don't, I don't know if I want to see like, you know, an AI telling me how I should kind of like do my creatives or Maybe kind of thinking that like, you know, we, we do these focus groups, let's, let's just keep doing them. You know, they're okay. Well, we were actually able to predict at that stage already quite a lot of things very accurately, but that was then. And now after this enormous launch party of chat TDP and AI in general, I think people are kind of getting more used to it and, and seeing the opportunities. So back then it was more about the dangers. I think we are now in the States where we really see opportunities, like how can this help to do my things faster? How can I do this and how can I do that? Of course, when it comes to very repetitive tasks, I mean, those of course are in danger, like cropping and doing all these type of things. But to be honest, like creative people do like to do different things also than just cropping images, right? It's not the most uh, interesting activity. And humans in general, I think we all need our, whether you're categorize yourself as a creative professional, you'll always need some sort of creative outlet as well. Right. So I think that's an incredibly important thing. And definitely certainly on my team, I'm trying to get them to focus on things that they are doing repetitively and finding ways to, you know, traditionally outsource that, you know, somebody, can somebody else do that so that we can have you have this supreme knowledge or a unique knowledge executing your role. Exactly. And I think that is a key point here that like we see also with customers, right? So if you have the mindset where you kind of think, hey, what is the opportunity? And how can we do even more nicer things? Like, you know, because of course that's what AI does, right? It enables you to do these things faster. Of course you still, and you will require the human to kind of make the tuning and make the 
make it really authentic, for example, to your brand. But, but you kind of see that if you take that mindset of sort of positive embracement, you know, how can I explore, create more? Things look very different than when you take the other viewpoint. Super. Okay. Maybe I should just ask you, is that sort of that notion of rushing to five or to a million users in five days, we've never seen anything like that in terms of something catching fire that quickly. But is there anything com comparable in how business has changed that you've seen at all? Like, yeah, I think, you know, there is, there's in, well, at least sort of my view always, there's always this push pull that sort of moves. I mean, you think about it like a very different examples, right? So we have seen back in the days, of course, like we had mainframe computing, then that mainframe computing with all local, right? So then we had to go to decentralization. Then we figured out that maybe that's not the right way. So we need to end up somewhere in the middle. We had things around outsourcing, let's outsource everything. But then we figured out that like, hey, in IT especially, let's not outsource, for example, the design and architecture decisions and those type of things. So they were insourced again. So what, what, what we see, and I think it's in, in many of these industries, there's always this push, pull, and, and where it's going to be really mattering is, is maybe in that middle, but always related to clear use cases where, where benefits are like materialized. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So a focused use, we experienced something that was incredibly urgent, but we're at a stage now where companies are really assessing this on its merits with specific yeah, cases. Yeah, definitely. But, but that maybe in this particular case, there's still one, one item sort of to add, which is what of course happened with AI and what is happening with AI is that it for many businesses actually means that sort of competing business categories are being created, if, if it were to say so, meaning those who are not using AI, AI and those have been founded or have taken AI as the baseline. And, and what you actually see is that these type of businesses, of course, are accelerating now. We actually also see lots of startups actually kind of just diminish themselves by because they're turned into ir irrelevant because of it. But what we see is that like those businesses who actually do move, that they take the sort of like existing businesses with them. I mean, in another industry, you could think about this like as, as Tesla, right? So Tesla's the car, went into electric, became the iconic electric brand. And as a result, it built that whole category and now slowly pulls in all the other brands into it. And uh, I think this is what this will, will happen in, in many cases for those industries that are willing to convert. Right. For those that are willing to convert, that's a crucial caveat there at the end of that sentence. Okay. So then uh, we've got a industry, we've got a company that's, there's some willingness to convert, whether that's at leadership level or at a let's say a management level, we, let's take in this instance, a marketing manager of some description, right? They are looking to expand the uses of AI within their team. Maybe they've been tasked with it. Maybe they're looking at it themselves. How should they be thinking about their, I guess, tech stack in particular when assessing AI? What are the real, what are the questions they should be asking? What perspectives could you help them sort of figure out how to look through? Yeah, so there are quite a few things I, I would really say at this stage, really explore also, right? So, so make sure you have like an AI team, AI budgets, you know, that, that is all like sorted out. Do explore because if you don't explore, you don't try, you know, you will for sure fall, fall behind. So better at this stage is to really take a close look at, at all, all of that. But then when it comes to really implementing it inside your tech stacks, there, I think the kind of questions are, are much more concrete around use cases, ROIs, but also think about, and that's of course where AI is kind of 
having an issue or not an issue, but it's kind of is an issue around subprocessors, you know, is data being used to train all these type of questions you really want to ask yourself and kind of take a close look at that. So really, inter really interesting thing in there about teams. I'd love to get to that, right? Who's on a, who's on a team when you're assessing this, because that's probably something that people have budgets, right? These are things that have never been a question for companies before. So maybe we can get to that, but I guess primarily right. Think you know you're saying is like aligning it to a, st a strategy, a tactic, a series of things that you're yeah. trying to do. So in this instance, a marketing, you know, one of the constraints that may be on marketing leader is around brand and brand consistency, yeah. or you know, maintaining corporate visual identity. We think we see generative AI, and we think it's just going to blow everything up. How do how should we manage that push pull within the technology itself of its capacity to create? and its capacity to manage as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm now putting the head of my like uh, jobs I had like in the past, being a brand manager or brand director. I mean, that would be pretty much a nightmare to kind of figure out that like, uh, you know, anyone in the organization would be able to create campaigns and creatives for the brand, right? So, so that is going to be an issue. I think the moment again, and that's where you see this push pull. So the moment generative AI can be trained with let's say custom models around brand values, yeah, maybe using old campaigns with stylistic sites in it, then you might be able to kind of move in that space, but there will always be a person who will actually need to actually check hmm. like uh, the output. And then of course, like all the other, on the complete other side, there are also brands that have authenticity as one of their key values. And so you got to ask yourself, if something is not generated with a human, and if you actually really go in pixel peeping to kind of figure it out, because you will figure it out, how, how is there a match with your brand values? What are you going to do with that? I think these are questions companies will need to ask and, and find answers to. For sure. And that's a critical part. That consistency thing is a critical part of delivering that sort of experience yeah. at the user end. And if, if you're not catching it, <laughs> Your users probably are, if, if whether they're very aware of it or it seeps through as a sort of an inconsistency in your marketing, it's going to be apparent to them. So one thing that I'd love to get your take on it, that we know people are massively concerned with today is around personalization. Okay. This is a way to deliver great experiences to the end user, great content experiences, personalized down to, you know, the individual, even like the one-to-one -one level. What is a data and a learning element to that. And then there's the content side and the content sort of creation and management side of it. Again, do you have any perspectives on how people should be thinking about those three things or those things in, in concert when trying to deliver an experience like that? Yeah. So there are quite a few things to sort of address here. We, see, we do see it. Like there's lots of research on web traffic, just simple website browsing and how many people actually do accept the cookies versus who don't or how many people do have ad trackers running? There are quite a few, right? So we, we do see people are concerned about that. But then the next question comes in, it might also be because they don't see really the value of accepting all of that because the experience is not that personalized, you see? So uh, there is always this, this trade-off. When you go to big online retailers, suddenly all of that is less of an issue because the experience you get is actually Pretty nice, right? You get things recommended that do fit what you want to look at. 
And I think when it comes to personalization, that is exactly the area where it will uh, have a big impact. So the, the very well-developed already personalization engines, for example, with, with Amazon and, and many other online retailers are using, that will get more improved. And I do think that users might just simply accept that because the experience is so much better that they actually get. Now, when you go into offline retail, it's a very different issue. I remember here in the Netherlands, very years ago, was a was a test with a shop where you would go in and there would be a, a scan of your face. And based on that, you know, you would actually see advertisements being popping up and all of that. That was not a very big sort of success. But that might also be, again, that the time was not right for it. Right? So, so the human seems to go like for the, we are a little bit lazy, right? So we seem to go for, for the easiness and I think that is sort of the, the weak spot, like if you're in this personalization to kind of maybe kind of go in. So jumping to some sort of sci-fi version of us or whatever. Yeah. But again, we do see, yeah, augmented experiences yeah. being quite popular now, particularly you know, everybody's got it on their phone. They can do some level of shopping or engagement with the products that are in the, in their, you know, in, in, in their, in front of them in the store as well at that time. Just checking out a new TV, right? You want to see it in with AR kind of how it looks in the living room. I mean, it's all common now. It's all normal. Sure. And uh, yeah, that will further develop for sure. So Michiel, you're speaking to companies all the, all the time, every day around the challenges that they're facing, both discovery and sort of presenting things to them around uh, solutions as well. What, what are they saying to you? What sort of specific challenges are they coming up with? What are they interested in when you talk to them as well? Yeah, I think there are quite a few things actually, like maybe start with this brand consistency and brand integrity, right? So that I know also from like uh, when I was working as brand advisor, is of course a key thing, you know, any company with a decent brand and a binary have many, many, many of those, like is really, really worried about like that part. So you, you just want to make sure that your brand stays consistent. So when it comes to generative AI, there is always the human side of it, the human control. So that's a very important part that that is, that you're possible, that you're able to do that. But then kind of flipping it even sort of in, in very practical terms, what we really see is that like we have sort of companies have tried like uh, generative AI, they have tried all these things and now they want to kind of go back and say, Hey, look, we have these teams that actually run our AI strategy and they really want to get into implementations of AI. But in order to do that, it's got to be something that is kind of easy to adopt. It got to fit in the tech stack and it got to fit with users so that actually they use it and that it does not some kind of gimmick. And that's where I really get into sort of very specific use cases, right? So, so to be solved. At the same time, we also do see companies that are, you know, kind of sensible in terms of like workforce companies they hire in, for example, when it comes to digital automatic digital transformation of assets that they do keep working with companies that actually do that. So it's actually, it's a very interesting sort of playing field. Everybody is sort of still figuring out the right way to how to, to deal with, with AI and how to adopt it sensibly and also in a human way. This with majority of the companies really see, see that, but then it really gets into these use cases where it's all about in, 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 in our case or in binary case, you know, how much easier it is to discover content how much easier it is actually to reuse content. We didn't even know we had these assets. Now we're able to reuse them and kind of finding the cost savings in, in these type of activities. Designers who get really excited about like 
running similarity search and suddenly finding assets they really had not thought about, but they, that existed and could use that kind of as a springboard to create new content. So it, it is really in these cases where, where we see, yeah, it's actually, it's a very nice area to be like. We repeatedly see it in our research and our conversations with CMOs, senior marketing leaders that, yeah, that reuse, repurposing, yeah. particularly in, in this, this economy where, you know, efficiencies are the name of the game, that that's a real challenge for them as well. So. I think that's a cr critical uh, application of this as well. Is that something you're hearing a good bit of? That's quite a bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, findability, that's that just one thing where it's a really hard lift for a person, but a really, and, and, you know, even at the, the tagging side of it as well, right. The organizational side, the, you know, the, the uploading and managing of the content as well, as opposed to even finding it at the other end. I mean, in many cases as a human, you're also not capable of doing it all, right? So in the case of tagging, or you're just saying, imagine um, the case where we actually do work with text and image. So you will be able to search for text inside images. Basically what we say is that any image with any text on it is open for search. And that's a lot, right? So uh, think about menus that you might have on your, on your assets or infographics, all these type of things. Humanly, you would never be able to metadata tag all of these things. But now with the capability of searching for text inside images, you can do anything with it. You can do Boolean searches. You can, you know, just do single target searches. All of that suddenly becomes available. And that is just a huge time saver. Yeah, that has incredible applications, right? If you think about it like that, ingredients and stuff like this and yeah. on, on, on labels, et cetera. So that's one for <laughs> food for thought for a lot of people out there who are uh, in those sort of industries that have those sort of, those sort of constraints on them as well. So maybe. That, have we gone into a real specific of oh, a use case, right? Maybe we could just take a second and sort of zoom out again and have a little view to the future. What do you think in putting this, you know, brand consultant and AI expert hat on, what is, what's here to stay? What's not going away? What, what, what are we going to see sort of more or less of in the next sort of 12, 24 months? Yeah. So what I'm thinking here is that the, the extremes, they remain for now, for now still extremes. So the, the kind of really, you know, super crazy, like uh, creation of imagery that, that we now feel is super crazy. The reason for it that it is super crazy is that it sort of lacks still maybe some custom modeling around uh, brand specifics and these type of things. So where we are really in at this stage and what is here to stay are, in the short term at least, are all features that really enhance these basic use cases of what people are doing and what they're doing with a dam is pretty simple, right? It's your search, you discover, I mean, search, discover, you really want to protect like all the assets that you have there. So all these features that are around there, plus then all the integrations with the workflow. So in the end, it turned out not to be so simple. It's a lot, but all these, all these areas very like can enhance like efficiency with AI. That's all there to stay. And in many cases, that efficiency is not even known before you actually start using it, right? Because there are a lot of things you were not able to do before, like the text and image search that we, that we were just discussing. So, so now you're able to do it. And once you have figured it out, you're not going to change it ever. So that is there to stay for sure. And, and what we will see is that companies who take the leap into sort of these extremes, they will need to go back a little bit to turn it more into the text tags in, you know, linking it with the brand, but then it will turn into sort of a magnet of other companies, other brands to follow. Hey, this brand has done it. 
he should be able to do it as well. So the key message is really stay alert, keep your AI strategy and your AI teams internally, like running at full speed, really try out different things, but then always turn it back into the practical, like human, humanized kind of way of doing. So one of the things that seems pretty apparent to me could be a risk thinking about major changes in, you know, any of these digital, you know, accelerations that we've seen in the past, whether it's, you know, privacy stuff or, you know, move to shift to online, et cetera, is legislation. What? Impossible to know what governments are going to do necessarily, really. Sorry. It's impossible to know necessarily what governments are going to do, but what should, how should individual marketing teams be thinking about this and sort of putting their best foot forward around around any sort of potential legislation yeah of course as always you, you got to sort of really stay close to that and what, what is all happening sometimes these things do happen because we don't quite understand what is really happening thankfully at binder we have actually taken a very good route here for example in our workflow modules you can use generative ai to actually create copy that copy is actually marked in the full trail as being gener generated by AI. So you always be able to see in going back as to what actually comes from the computer, from the AI system, versus what has been added and altered by the human. And I think these are kind of key points to kind of keep, keep in mind. The same thing when it comes to our text and image search. Also, those tags are stored differently from the tags that are actually being added by humans. So we do want to make sure that, that it's clear where what data is actually coming from. And I think from sort of from a corporate point of view, and again, looking at it from a brand point of view, you also want to know that. You want to see that like, hey, I've taken this base image. This base image was a campaign we did. This was our image created by creatives. And now we have created of that version, some alternative versions using generative AI. And then we have actually taken those and created yet another version. You want to kind of see the trail. And I think that is a, that is a key point to understand. For sure. And um, one last thing, actually, because I've heard this, somebody say this on a, on a, a call there recently, they said to me, is like all this AI content, it's going to flood our dams and we're not going to know what to do. What, like, what do you say to somebody who think, who's, who's concerned of just a way too much content? Yeah. So this is like, I've heard that too. Thankfully, like, I think that fear is not very grounded. I mean, it's very grounded. If you actually let, let all the data come in there, right? Then you go full blown in generative AI, but really all the brands that I'm working with, that I'm meeting, they are fully aware that whatever gets into the dam gotta be on brand and it gotta be, you know, really having that consistency, that integrity and all of these type of things. So while there might be the extreme sort of case of like, oh, let's try out all these things and let's, you know, see if in suddenly can generate like all kinds of advertisements. Yes, that will be the case, but hopefully it will be in a controlled way so that whatever gets in the dam is looking, feel, feels like being created by the brand and, and there's sort of no distinction in there. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I feel definitely a bit sort of calmer and <laughs> more sort of soothed about the potential future of this. It's incredibly exciting time, but I do think this, uh, the distance that we've had from, you know, or the, the journey we've all traveled over the last sort of 12 months in particular has allowed it, you know, sort of, we've gone from one end to the other. I've certainly felt that you've expressed it wonderfully there, that push pull, that pendulum swing. Yeah. That's sort of, I think we've all, whether it's in an, in a one day or over the last 12 months, I've really sort of experienced that. So 
I wonder as we're wrapping up here, maybe you could just let, you know, what would your one sort of takeaway or key learning or key point be to anybody sort of where, you know, January, 2024 now they're, they're into their plans, AI's on there somewhere. What sort of advice could you give them to uh, consider those more thoughtfully? Yeah. So I would still say if you don't have yet an AI team in your company or an AI strategy, you got to get one, like start with that, you, you, you will need to kind of keep exploring it, but then as part of that strategy, make sure you crowd the technology somewhere in practical use cases. So that it doesn't stay that kind of fluffy and kind of, oh, look what we all can do. No, you've got to get to a stage where you can actually say, look, this is actually what we did with AI. We became more efficient, you know, we were uh, kind of, we reduced some of the costs here and there. We actually got a benefit out of it and then replicate that into all the domains. That's how like uh, the advice I, I would uh, strongly uh, advise to do. You know, to the end too different to how you should run any sort of project, right? Put some people in place, put some processes and make some, make some decision-making criteria, but do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Wonderful. We'll, I'll take your advice internally about my team as well. And um, I look forward to seeing what we can come up with, but Mikhail, as for today, for your time, uh, it was wonderful to have you. Thank you for joining us and sharing with us. Thank you. Very nice. And thank you for joining us as well here on the Digital Advantage. And we'll see you next time right here. And if you have any questions for any of our future guests, please be sure to drop them in the comments and we'll get to them in a future episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Digital Advantage, brought to you by Binder, the leading digital asset management platform. Binder helps you conquer the chaos of growing content, touch points, and relationships. If you found this episode inspiring, you'll love our additional content on our social channels, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. 